السلام علیکم ورحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي ربنا زدنا علما One thing about the hadith that we learned at the end yesterday hadith number 20 in which the sahaba when they asked the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam that they should be allowed to do more than what he would do the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam became upset why did he become upset what was the reason why was it necessary for them to do what the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was telling them because what he used to tell them was something that they were able to do that's what we learn in the hadith that he would tell them he would order them according to their capabilities but they wanted to do more and when they asked for more the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam became upset why and that's what caused them to commit shirk in some senses or you know change the deen altogether okay very good that we see that the people of the past also they exceeded the bounds and they ended up doing things that were not acceptable for example committing shirk even or for instance the christians what did they do we learned in surah al-hadith that they invented rahbaniya which was not something that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had ordained why else was he angry that the thing is that if a person does an action he should do it consistently isn't it so and the difficult things you can only do for some time it's difficult for you to remain consistent upon them it puts pressure on the rest of the people that if they're doing so much then we should also be doing more it can lead to innovation good that the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was sent as an example for us not that we would view him as someone whose example we cannot follow Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent a human being min anfusihim not an angel but rather a human being why because it's easier to follow the ways of another human being what do we learn in the Quran that laqad kana lakum fi rasulillahi uswatun hasana how because he was a human being and whatever practices he did we are also able to follow them we are also able to do them one more thing is that it is against the sharia to command someone to do something that they are incapable of doing to tell someone to do something which they are not able to do the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam ordered people to do what they were able to do they wanted to do extra but this contradicts the sharia how does it contradict the sharia any text of the quran that you learn that you can remember in which we learn that la yukallifullahu nafsan illa wus'aha even allah does not overburden a person more than what he can do so this is why whatever commands the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam gave they were also manageable for people And this is the dua that we make that Rabbana wala tahmil alayna isran kama hamaltahu ala alladhina min qablina Rabbana wala tuhammilna ma la taqata lana bih what we are not able to do what we are not able to carry Another reason is that we have been commanded to follow the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and not try to get ahead of him We are to obey not try to get ahead of him What's the evidence of that يا ايها الذين امنوا لا تقدموا بين يدي الله ورسوله we are to follow not to get ahead so this is why we are to follow the example of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam as well and not try to burden ourselves with hardship in religion and the thing is that this religion is easy as inshallah we will learn in this chapter that this religion is easy and a person must not overburden himself with matters of religion because then it becomes very difficult over time and life becomes very difficult because deen is about every aspect of our lives 
So if we impose difficulty in ourselves, life will become difficult. The deen that Allah has taught us is well-balanced, very moderate, practical. So this is why it's necessary that we follow and not invent our own ways. Let's continue. بَابٌ مَنْ كَرِهَ أَنْ يَعُودَ فِي الْكُفْرِ كَمَا يَكْرَهُ أَنْ يُلْقَى فِي النَّارِ مِنَ الْإِيمَانِ Bab, chapter. مَنْ كَرِهَ The one who dislikes. أَنْ يَعُودَ فِي الْكُفْرِ That he should return to kufr. كَمَا يَكْرَهُ Just as he dislikes. أَنْ يُلْقَى فِي النَّارِ That he should be thrown in the fire. So this is Min al-Iman, this is part of Iman. The one who dislikes going to the ways of disbelief, adopting the ways of disbelief, just as he dislikes being thrown into the fire, then this is what? A part of Iman. This is a result of Iman. This is an evidence that person has Iman. حدثنا سليمان بن حرب قال حدثنا شعبة عن قتادة عن أنس رضي الله عنه عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال سلاس من كن فيه سلاس three من who كن they were فيه in him meaning whoever person has these three attributes وجد حلاوة الإيمان he will find the sweetness of iman what are those three attributes مَنْ كَانَ اللَّهُ وَرَسُولُهُ أَحَبَّ إِلَيْهِ مِمَّا سِوَاهُمَا The one to whom Allah and His Messenger are most beloved from everyone else. وَمَنْ أَحَبَّ عَبْدًا لَا يُحِبُّهُ إِلَّا لِلَّهِ And the one who loves a servant whom he does not love except for the sake of Allah. وَمَنْ يَكْرَهُ أَنْ يَعُودَ فِي الْكُفْرِ بَعْدَ إِذْ أَنْقَذَهُ اللَّهِ وَمَنْ يكره, and whoever dislikes أن يعود في الكفر that he should return to kufr بعد after إذ when أنقذه الله Allah rescued him كما يكره just as he dislikes أن يلقى في النار that he should be thrown into the fire this hadith we have read earlier as well isn't it so? in the same bab under the chapter Halawatul Iman but if you notice this hadith has a different chain of narration. Okay, so don't just think it's mere repetition. First of all, it has a different chain of narration. And secondly, we see that there is a slight difference in the wording as well. There is a slight difference in the wording as well. How? That in the previous version, we learned al-mar' that he loves a al-mar' la yuhibbuhu illa lillah. And over here, what word do we see? Abdan. In the previous hadith was mar' and over here we see Abdan. Similarly, over here is the addition of so anyway, we see here that the hadith is similar, chain is different, and the words are slightly different, slightly, to the point that it's not even noticeable to many people. Buhu illa lillah. And over here, what word do we see? Abdan. In the previous hadith was mar. And over here we see abdan. Similarly, over here is the addition of bardaid anqadahullahu. So anyway, we see here that the hadith is similar. Chain is different and the words are slightly different, slightly, to the point that it's not even noticeable to many people. But look at the truthfulness, the trustworthiness of the muhaddithin, that when they narrated the ahadith, they narrated the text that they had with the chain that they had. They didn't even mix them up. Just imagine, how different point. And what is that point that he's trying to prove here? What is the point that he's proving over here? 
to dislike becoming a disbeliever to dislike leaving islam because remember i told you earlier that ayuda fil kufri it doesn't mean returning to disbelief that a person was a disbeliever before he became a muslim and so he dislikes becoming a disbeliever again no it's talking about in general terms that a person dislikes becoming a disbeliever that he dislikes committing kufr because the word ada yaudu is also used for becoming so what do we see here that it is a part of iman that a person does not even think of going close to kufr it is a part of iman that a person hates kufr he dislikes kufr he doesn't like it at all to the point that he does not even think about going near it he hates going towards it just as he hates falling into the fire and this is what a part of iman this is an evidence of a person's iman what do we learn from this that a part of iman is that a person must dislike kufr that a person must dislike all those ways that contradict the way that has been specified by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as a way of guidance he hates that he doesn't even want to go near it he tries his best to stay away from it remember adam alayhi salam what was he told la taqraba hadhihi ash-shajara don't even go near because if you go near you're going to end up you're going to end up eating of the fruit of the tree so what does that teach us that a person must not even go near wrongdoing and if there's a pit of fire what will you do you will stay away from it if it's something that you hate for example a person that you hate you don't like at all what will you do you will go and sit in front of them what will you do you will stay away from them you dislike them you will not even go near them and part of iman is that a person hates kufr he hates the ways of kufr he doesn't even go close to them he doesn't want to be identified with them he doesn't want to commit them and this is a sign of true acceptance of tauba as well this is a sign of sincere repentance as well because it's quite possible that a person used to do something wrong and then he has left it he has done tauba but in his heart he still has some kind of attraction for that wrong some likeness for that wrong and he thinks about it he likes talking about it he says to his friends you know i used to be like that very proudly no a person who has left the wrong ways and he has done taubatan nasuha what does it mean that he hates those wrong ways and he will not even think of going close to them he knows those actions as fire and fire is something that you don't want to touch you want to stay away from because it's very harmful it can kill you it can destroy you it can ruin you so part of iman is to dislike kufr and part of iman is to stay away from kufr you cannot appreciate it you cannot like it Even the smallest thing is not liked, then we will be able to do this. Otherwise, we divide the religion into portions. That this is kufr, this is fine to do. Mm. Then we will not be able to stick on this. Exactly. And now, all of us can think about it that there may have been certain actions that we did before we knew any better, or in our own jahiliya, we perhaps did something wrong. Now, once a person have left those ways, he should dislike them because remember, part of tauba is to feel sorry, regret over what a person has done. You're not proud about what you have done because if a person is happy about it, proud about it, then that is not tawbah. Tawbah is that he's shameful, he's embarrassed, he shivers even thinking about it. That how could I ever do such a thing? And oh Allah, wash off that sin from my book of deeds. Just erase that, remove that. So this is a sign of tawbah, and this is a sign of 
sincere faith as well. This is from Iman. And remember the ayah, وَكُنْتُمْ عَلَى شَفَا حُفْرَةٍ مِّنَ النَّارِ فَأَنْقَذَكُمْ مِّنْهَا Allah rescued you from there. Why would you want to go back? Why would you want to go back? You know, sometimes it happens with people that if an accident happens at a particular road, at a particular street, they avoid that street, they avoid that road. They don't like driving past that even. Why? Because it reminds them of what happened. If, for example, they did something wrong in their school, or their school reminds them of their past, then they hate driving by their school even. Because every time they pass by that building, it reminds them of all the wrong that happened over there. So you stay away from it. Similarly, kufr, wrong ways. A person does not even think about doing them. He stays away from them because he dislikes them. And such a person has found the sweetness of iman. Why? How? Because this person, what does he love? Who does he love more than he loves his own nafs? Allah and his messenger. Because he likes what Allah likes and he hates what Allah hates. Why would a person want to do what he used to do previously when he's not happy and satisfied with his current situation? You know, when a person loves what he is, what he's doing, then he doesn't think about his past. He doesn't think about, oh, I wish I could be like that again. So one lesson that we learned from this that I really want to emphasize on, that don't talk about your mistakes or your bad past proudly. Don't do that. Because if we talk about proudly, then there is a problem there. One thing is, you know, to remind yourself that, look, if I'm here, this is only the blessing of Allah. Look at what I was before. And Allah has guided me. This is, وَأَمَّا بِنِعْمَةِ رَبِّكَ فَحَدِّثْ Similarly, if you're mentioning it to teach somebody else a lesson, that look, Please, you know, learn from my mistake. Don't ever make this mistake again. That's different. But the other is to boast about it. So that's not right. Because that shows that there's still attachment to those sins. Bab tafadul ahlil imani fil a'mal. Tafadul. What does tafadul mean? Hmm? Superiority. Okay. From fadl. Fadila. So tafadul, tafa'ul, it shows that how one has fadila over the other. One has fadila over the other. So all are not at equal level, but one has superiority over the other. So tafaduli ahlil imani, tafadul of ahlul iman fil a'mal in their actions. So the people of iman, in other words, are of various levels. They are of various levels based on what? Al-a'mal, based upon their deeds. We have learned earlier that deeds are a part of iman. Isn't it so? Actions are a part of Iman. Iman consists of four things. And when such is the case, then when people will vary in their actions, they will also vary in their Iman. And when they will vary in their Iman, they will vary in their actions. And we see that the Iman of two people is not the same. It's never the same. The actions of two people also are not the same. People are different. Some people's Iman is a lot. And some people's Iman is less than that. Similarly, some people's actions, there are more. And other people's actions, they are less. For instance, two people recite the Qur'an. But one person reads half or just more than the other. Are their actions the same? They're not. So how can their iman be the same? It cannot be the same. If a person is greater in his action, he will be greater in his iman. And if a person is lesser in his action, he will be lesser in his iman as well. One person gives... Two dollars in sadaqah. Another gives one. Is there a difference in amal? Difference. So as a result, difference in iman as well. Okay. One question I have for you. 
we have learned earlier that a person may give very little charity. Very little in amount. Isn't it so? But if he gives with the sincerity of his heart, it is acceptable. Remember, at the time of the expedition to Tabuk, hmm, a companion brought a handful of dates and the Prophet ﷺ put that on top of the rest of the sadaqat that had been brought, the rest of the wealth that had been brought. So, is quantity everything? I told you earlier that iman consists of four things. There are two types of amal. One is the amal of jawarih and the other is the amal of qalb. So, a person who gives little sadaqah but with a lot of sincerity, then he has a lot of amalul qalb. So, whether it is amalul qalb or amalul jawarih, whether it is amalul qalb or amalul jawarih, if it is higher, then that means the iman of the person is also higher. And if the amalul qalb or the amalul jawarih is lesser, then that means the iman is also lesser. And we see that people, they vary in their yaqeen as well. Yaqeen is also amalul qalb. Right? It's an amal, it's an action. So people are not the same when it comes to yaqeen. In fact, one individual even is not consistent in his yaqeen. Yaqeen increases, it decreases. For example, Ibrahim salam, what did he say? Arini kayfa tuhil mauta. He wanted to have more yaqeen. So we see that a person increases in his yaqeen. So similarly, different people also, they are of different levels in yaqeen, in amulul qalb, as well as amulul jawarih. And the fact is that each time a person increases in his ma'rifah of Allah, in his recognition of Allah, and his ayat, then what will happen? His iman will increase. His yaqeen will increase. If his yaqeen will increase, automatically his actions will also increase. His actions will become even more valuable, even if they are less in quantity. For example, we learn in the Quran, in Surah Tawbah, Ayah 124, that, وَإِذَا مَا أُنزِلَتْ سُورَةٌ فَمِنْهُمْ مَنْ So a person who reflects on the ayat of Allah, whether it's ayat kawni or shari, he will increase in his ma'rifah of Allah. When he will increase in his ma'rifah of Allah, his iman will increase, which means his action will increase. Whether it's amalul qalb or amalul jawarih. So Imam Bukhari, he writes over here that bab tafaduli ahlil imani fil a'mal. People are not at the same level when it comes to actions. Why? Because people are not at the same level when it comes to iman. They will vary in their actions and they will vary in their iman as well. And what's the hadith that he mentions? حدثنا إسماعيل قال حدثني مالك عن عمر بن يحيى المازني عن أبيه عن أبي سعيد الخدري رضي الله عنه عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال يدخل أهل الجنة الجنة يدخل he will enter who أهل الجنة the people of paradise where will they enter الجنة they will enter paradise. وَأَهْلُ nari And the people of fire, they will enter where? النَّارَ The hellfire. Meaning the people of Jannah will be sent to their final destination and the people of hellfire will also be sent to their final destination. ثُمَّ يَقُولُ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى Then Allah Ta'ala will say that أَخْرِجُوا Bring out مَنْ كَانَ Whoever is فِي قَلْبِهِ In his heart مِسْقَالُ حَبَّةٍ Misqalu, the weight of habbatin, of a grain even. Which grain? Min khardalin, of mustard. Min iman, of iman. From where? From the hellfire. So Allah will say, bring out from hellfire any person who has, how much iman even? The size of 
the weight of a mustard seed even bring him out so what will happen fayukhrajuna minha so they will be brought out of it while qadiswaddu while they will be blackened while they have become all black fayulqawna so they will be put they will be dropped where fi nahril haya in the river of al haya awil hayati or life hayat haya or hayat life shakka malikun malik was doubtful whether the word was hayat or it was haya he was doubtful who is malik one of the narrators haddathana ismail qala haddathani malikun so he was not sure why was he not sure because when you're listening then haya and hayat they sound very similar fayambutuna then they will grow kama tambutul hibbatu just as a hibba this is hibba it grows and what is hibba it refers to seed fi janib as-sayli at the bank of a stream sail do you remember the word sail from the quran we read it in the context of it being a flood so it's a stream so fi janib as-sayl so at the bank of a stream a river what do you see growing plants growing so just as they grow similarly their bodies will also grow the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said alam tara do you not see annaha that indeed it what the plants as they grow the seedlings as they grow takhruju it comes out it grows safra'a yellow multawiyatan twisted multawiya what's the root lam waw ya lawa yalwi yalwuna alsinatahum to twist to twist to bend to bend what either the neck or the tongue the bending of the neck is to turn away and the bending of the tongue is to mispronounce the words deliberately so multawiya one that is turned one that is bent one that is twisted so don't you see that when a seedling as it comes out how does it come out it's twisted meaning it's not straight and gradually it straightens up as it gets life and as it grows just this morning i was watching a video just to understand this that how is it that a seedling grows and it's amazing if you look at it how it grows that it's initially bent all curled up and as it grows you know it becomes straight and it's literally as if something that is dead is coming to life that we see that bean sprouts especially that as they're growing initially they're all curled up and then eventually they stand up straight so just like a dead body curled up and then coming to life so over here what do we learn the people of hellfire when they'll be removed from hellfire blackened completely blackened then they'll be put into the river of life and then their bodies will grow just as a plant grows as it comes to life Now Imam Bukhari is mentioning this hadith to prove that there are different levels of hmm? iman why because people's actions are different some people have the amount of a mustard seed that's what we see in this hadith that from the hellfire will be taken out anyone who has iman even equal to the grain of a mustard seed so some people's iman is the size of a mustard seed and other people's iman is the size of a mountain or even bigger every person's iman is of a different level and every person's end result will also be according to the weight of his iman every person's end result will be according to the weight of his iman question how do you increase your iman how do you increase the size of your iman the weight of your iman actions like for example the people who will end up in hellfire despite the fact that they had iman in their hearts they had iman tawhid was there what was missing proper action righteous action was missing 
So their iman did not grow. It remained the size of a mustard seed. This is why they will end up in hellfire. And then eventually they will be taken out. So what is it that causes iman to grow? Amal, amal salih, righteous deeds. We learn that ما سلككم في سقر قالوا لم نكم من المصلين لم نكم من المصلين So when a person does not perform righteous action, his iman does not grow. When it will not grow, his end will not be greater. His end will be punishment. So every person's end result depends on what? The size of his iman, the amount of his actions. فَمَنْ سَقُلَتْ مَوَازِينُهُ فَأُولَئِكَ هُمُ الْمُفْلِحُونَ وَمَنْ خَفَّتْ مَوَازِينُهُ فَأُولَئِكَ الَّذِينَ خَسِرُوا أَنفُسَهُمْ فِي جَهَنَّمَ خَالِدُونَ So the actions will be weighed. Iman will be weighed. And we see that in this hadith especially, where we see that the mustard seed is being mentioned, this mustard seed is in reference to Good deeds. Not just iman, but it's in reference to good deeds. It is referring to good deeds. How do we learn about that? From another hadith in which the Prophet ﷺ said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say that, Remove from the fire whoever said, La ilaha illallah and performed an atom's weight of good. Remove from the hellfire who? The one who said, La ilaha illallah and performed an atom's weight of good. So this is why Imam Bukhari is mentioning this hadith over here. That some people's iman is how much? The weight of a mustard seed. Which means... His deeds, his actions. So people's actions are not the same. People's iman is not the same. So those who remain small in their iman, in their actions, who don't grow it, then they will be punished in the hellfire for the sins that they committed, for the obligations that they neglected, for the wrong that they committed. Because we know that a person may be a believer at the same time, he may perform many evil actions as well because iman increases and decreases. So while the iman has decreased, if a person does wrong, he will be punished for it. He will be held accountable for it. And this is something very serious. Because look at the description here, that they will be taken out of the fire while their bodies are blackened. Just imagine, completely black. Why black? Why charred? Because of being exposed to the punishment of the fire. So we all need to check ourselves over here that are there any obligations that I am neglecting? Any actions that I am committing that are not acceptable, that will be a source of punishment for me in the hereafter? Or is it that I keep telling myself, it's okay, it's okay, I have iman, that is sufficient. Yes, a person may have iman, but he will be held accountable for the crimes that he has committed. And we should worry about that. We should take this matter very, very seriously. Because the consequences are real. I mean, this hadith is very descriptive. Blackened bodies and then dipped into the river of life and then their bodies will grow again. So we need to check ourselves over here. Next hadith. حدثنا محمد بن عبيد الله قال حدثنا إبراهيم بن سعد عن صالح عن ابن شهاب عن أبي أمامة بن سهل أنه سمع أبا سعيد الخدري يقول He was saying that قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Qawli hadith. He said, Bayna, while, ana, I, meaning while I was. This word bayna is actually bayna. Okay? Bayna means between. That's what we know. But it also gives a meaning of time. So bayna meaning while. Once upon a time. So while, ana na'imun, I was asleep. Once when I was sleeping, ra'aytu nasa. I saw some people. يُعْرَضُونَ They were presented عَلَيَّ before me. I saw some people who were presented before me, who were displayed before me. وَعَلَيْهِمْ And upon them, 
Qumusun, shirts, dresses. Qumus is the plural of qamis. So I saw some people who were displayed before me and they were wearing shirts. Minha, from it, meaning from those shirts, were ma yabulugu, that which reached athudiyya, the breasts. Meaning for some people, their shirts were only as long as, meaning that they only reached their breasts, the upper chest. So they were very short. وَمِنْهَا And from them, meaning from those shirts, were some that مَا دُونَ ذَلِكَ What was lesser than that. So some people, their shirts reached only up to their chest, upper chest. And some people, their shirts were even smaller than that. وَعُرِضَ عَلَيَّ And he was also presented before me. Who? عُمَرُ بْنُ الْخَطَّابِ عُمَرُ بْنُ الْخَطَّابِ رَضِي اللَّهُ عَنْهُ وَعَلَيْهِ قَمِيصٌ And upon him was a shirt يَجُرُّهُ He was dragging it. It was trailing behind him. It was so long that it covered him completely and it was trailing behind him. قَالُوا The people asked فَمَا أَوَّلْتَ ذَلِكَ So how did you interpret that? أَوَّلْتَ From تَأْوِيل أَوَّلَ يُؤَوِّلُ تَأْوِيل تَأْوِيلُ الْأَحَادِيثِ Interpretation of dreams. So, فَمَا أَوَّلْتَ ذَلِكَ يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ O Messenger of Allah, how do you interpret this? قَالَ He said, الدين, religion. Meaning the shirts, what are they referring to? The religion of a person. Remember that the dreams that the Prophet ﷺ had, they were also part of wahi, revelation. So whatever dreams that the Prophet ﷺ told us about, the dreams that he had, we are to take them very seriously. We cannot say, oh, it was only a dream. No, we have to take it seriously because it was true. It was meaningful. And the dreams, because they were also part of wahi, kind of wahi, this is why principles can even be derived from them. It's a part of the texts that we have. Now, in this dream, the Prophet ﷺ saw people wearing shirts. And these shirts were of Various lengths. And the shirts, what did they represent? The deen of a person. I mentioned to you earlier that deen and iman can be used interchangeably. Why? Because a person's deen is his iman. According to his iman will be his actions and his actions are what? His iman. So deen and iman, same thing. So the shirts, what did they represent? Iman. If you think about it, shirts, they're very Obvious. The clothes that you're wearing, they're very obvious. They're very apparent. And iman is where? On the inside. But what is obvious? Actions. So just as in this dream, the Prophet ﷺ interpreted the shirts as a religion, we see that the actions of a person, what do they represent? His inner state. Your amal reflects your iman. And we see that in this dream, every person's shirt was not the same. Some people's shirt was very short, very small, showing that their iman, their deen, their amal was very less limited. And other people's iman was, their shirt was longer, which shows that their iman, their amal was stronger. There is another hadith from which we learn that the person who gives sadaqah, that the example of the person who gives sadaqah, that I don't remember the exact hadith, but I do remember the fact that some people, they're covered up completely with armor. And for some people it's very short, for some people it's very long, that it's trailing behind them. So that armor also, what does that reflect? That a person, when he gives sadaqah, he protects himself. So similarly, when a person has iman, he increases in his action, he increases in his good clothing, righteous clothing, meaning his outward appearance. So your iman is reflected by your actions. And every person's 
actions, iman, are different. Now in this hadith, we also learn something very special about Umar anhu. Isn't it so? But just before we continue, remember that this hadith does not mean that Abu Bakr anhu was any lesser. Huh? Or that Ali anhu was any lesser. No, we know that these companions, yes, definitely they were of various levels. But Abu Bakr anhu, he was at the highest level. For amongst all of the companions. He was known as As-Siddiq. And we know that after the level of the prophets, what is the level? Of Siddiqiyah. Right? Abu Bakr anhu's level was definitely higher. This hadith is telling us about something that was special about Umar anhu. That his amal, his deen, was very great. His iman was very great. This is mentioning something special about Umar anhu. This is just like how the Prophet ﷺ also mentioned the great virtue of Ali anhu as well at a particular occasion. Do you remember that occasion? At the battle of Khaybar. When the Prophet ﷺ had the flag and he said that it will be given to a person who رَجِلٌ يُحِبُّ اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَهُ وَيُحِبُّهُ اللَّهُ وَرَسُولُهُ That a man who loves Allah and His Messenger and Allah and His Messenger also love him. So at that point, the Prophet ﷺ mentioned the great virtue of Ali anhu. At this point, he mentioned the great virtue of who? Umar anhu. But it doesn't mean that we think less of other companions. Anything you'd like to say before we continue? Aisha radiallahu anha, she was with the Prophet ﷺ and the Prophet ﷺ looked at the stars and he said, um, the, the deeds of Umar radiallahu anhu are according to the amount of stars there are. And she asked, what about my father? So that was just the reward for one night that he spent with him in the cave on their journey of hijrah. So just imagine one night, the amount of stars that you can see in the sky. So every person's level is different. And we see that it's different not because a person says that, yeah, I have very high iman, but because of his actions. Abu Bakr anhu did not gain that level just like that. He underwent hardship. He was in the cave with the Prophet ﷺ when he knew that if the mushrikeen caught him, he would be dead. It was a great risk at his part, a great sacrifice at his part. So the level of iman increases and decreases according to your actions. You have to do something. You have to prove something. This is why with iman comes amal salih as well. Alladina amanu wa amilu salihat. That this refutes the claim of those people who said that yes, my faith is in my heart. It's not sufficient. You have to follow what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said. You have to do it. And the more you do it, the greater your iman is. In the earlier bab, uh, it's mentioned that as much as you hate going to the fire, mm-hmm. and then the next bab, it's giving a little bit of a picture of what it would be like to be in the hellfire. Like everybody would hate that for themselves to be blackened, their bodies to be blackened. So I like how the arrangements, but you know, it really encourages you to not. Exactly. But the arrangement is beautiful of the hadith. It's such deep connections within them that first of all, it was mentioned about a person who hates going to the fire. And then the next hadith mentions the fire, that how people will be in the fire. That when they will come out, they will be completely black. The clothes of, you know, the head of some Jude or something. And he, he was, was not covering his whole body. And his legs were showing. So I was saying, in the dream, his, his dress is trailing. <laughs> and we see there, Umar anhu, while the Prophet ﷺ was alive, and even afterwards, he did great things. Great things. As a Khalifa, even he did great things. We learned that once... Somebody was looking for Umar anhu and they could not find him. And it was the heat of midday and finally they found him in the area where camels are kept. And he was treating the camels with tar. 
Because camels, they get this particular disease on their skin, which has to be treated with tar. Just imagine burning heat. And on top of that, that tar, you're taking it and you're putting it on the camels. And he was doing it as a khalifa. Slaves would do such treatment for the camels. And he was doing this as a khalifa. So Umar anhu's actions, they were of a huge variety. Different, different types of actions. And he did not stop anywhere. So when he did not stop anywhere, look, his dress also did not leave him uncovered at all. Rather, it was trailing behind him. Just like, you know, a person is gone, but the asar, they keep coming into his record. Sometimes we're just trying to tell other people, oh, this is in my heart, that is in my heart, this is not in my heart. Actions show. Actions speak louder than words. And actions speak your heart. Actions prove your iman. That we see that in these ahadiths, the first one, it really scares you. And the second one, it really gives you encouragement. Bab, al-haya'u min al-iman. Haya, modesty, is from iman. Haddathana Abdullah ibn Yusuf. Qala akhbarana Malik ibn Anasin. An ibn Shihabin. An Salim ibn Abdullah. An abihi. Anna Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallama. Marra ala rajulin min al-ansari. That the Prophet ﷺ, Marra, he passed by, ala rajulin, upon a man, he passed by a man, and this man was min al-ansar. Wahua, while he was, meaning this ansari man, he was ya'idhu, he was advising, he was admonishing. Akhahu, his brother, fil haya'i, concerning modesty. Meaning he was telling him not to have too much haya. He was telling him not to have too much haya. فَقَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وسلم, So the Prophet ﷺ said, دَعْهُ Leave him. Meaning don't tell him not to have too much haya. Leave him as he is. فَإِنَّ الْحَيَاءَ Because indeed haya, modesty, it is مِنَ iman. It is from iman. It is a part of iman. Earlier also we learned that haya is shu'bah. It is a shu'bah. It is a branch of iman. What does this show? That haya is a manifestation of a person's iman. Haya shows that a person has iman, that iman exists in a person. Haya is an evidence that a person has iman in him. Now who are these men? The man who was advising his brother, who are these men? We don't know. But we do know that they were, that one of them was from the Ansar. And he was advising his brother, Brother could be from his tribe, so another Ansari or brother in deen could be Muhajir. Allahu A'lam. But we do know that they were companions of the Prophet ﷺ. And we also know that one was advising the other to not have too much haya. Why do you think he would advise him to not have too much haya? Why? So he might have been too shy. Because when a person is too shy, then apparently he's staying behind from good things. Like for example, five people are sitting together. One person is generally shy. So because they're generally shy, they don't talk much. Okay? So the other person tells him, Why are you so shy? You should also talk. You should also participate. And he says, No, I am shy. I don't like talking much. You understand? So sometimes shyness prevents you from doing things that are maybe acceptable even. Okay? That may be acceptable. So anyway, this is why one was advising the other that don't have too much haya. But what did the Prophet ﷺ say? That leave him. Let him be shy. Why? Because haya is from iman. What does it show to us? That iman does not just affect our actions, 
but it also affects our thinking, our feelings, our behavior. And haya is something that affects your decision-making power. Doesn't it? You're constantly deciding, should I say it, should I not say it? No, I'm too shy, I will not say it. No, I'm not shy, I will say it. So haya affects your decision-making power as well. What does it show? That iman affects you in every way. It affects your thinking. It affects your feelings. It affects the way you do things. It affects the way you decide to do things even. Iman affects every aspect of your life. Now with regards to haya, Ibn Qutaybah, he said that modesty prevents a person from wrongdoing just as iman does. Haya, it prevents a person from doing what? Wrong, just as iman stops a person from doing wrong. This is why haya has been classified as being a part of iman. Do you understand why haya is described as part of iman? Why? Because it does the same thing as iman. Similarly, haya prevents us from doing wrong things. Iman also prevents us from doing wrong things. Haya encourages us to do good things as well. How? For example, out of haya, a person wears proper clothing. Similarly, out of haya, not talking bad about other people. Similarly, out of haya, obeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Haya of Allah makes a person obey Allah. Right? So just as haya commands us to do good things, iman also commands us to do good things. So haya and iman are very similar. This is why haya is a part of iman. So we see here, it's the Prophet ﷺ told that Sahabi that leave him because haya is a part of iman. This is why he said that leave him because haya will tell him to do good and it will prevent him from doing bad. Now, does this mean that haya is good in every situation? All types of haya are good. I told you earlier that there are two types of haya. Haya that is praiseworthy and haya that is blameworthy. And also remember, there is another classification as well. That haya is sometimes obligatory. You must have haya in some cases. And in other cases, you should not have haya. It's haram. So for example, it is obligatory regarding matters that are prohibited by the sharia. Haya is obligatory regarding which matters that are obligatory by the sharia. So something that is haram, you must have haya with respect to that. So for example, lying. Is it haram? Yes. So having haya is obligatory or not? Of course. Ghiba, is it haram? Yes. Having haya is obligatory or not? Yes. So haya is obligatory with respect to which matters? That are prohibited by the sharia. Secondly, it is mustahab, preferred. Haya is mustahab. In which cases? In cases that are disliked by the sharia. In cases that are makruh in the sharia. So what is makruh? Give me an example of makruh. Qila wa qala. Inna Allah qad kariha lakum qil wa qal. Wa kathratil su'al. Wa ida'atil mal. Allah dislikes for you these three things. So if you're shy of saying, you know, she said this and he said that, and this happened and that happened, if you're shy of doing that, yes, it's recommended that you have that shyness. Hmm? If you're shy of asking too many questions, then you should be shy over there. Excessive questions like Bani Israel asked. Like for example, one is that, you know, for example, somebody says, okay, fine, I'll help you prepare this particular thing. Like for example, you're trying to cook something and you call up your aunt and you say, can you please help me with this? She says, okay, fine, you have any problem, call me. So okay, you call her once, you call her another time, you call her another time. Now, there's a limit, right? Although she has told you, you may call me. But if you keep asking again and again, there's something that is disliked. So if you are shy over there of calling her for the fifth time, it's okay. It's good. 
You should be shy over there. This is just like, for example, if you are invited to somebody's house for dinner and you help yourself, you eat, you, you go and get your food once and you go and get your food again and then you're shy of taking a third serving of that cheesecake. So, okay, feel shy there. Okay? Don't think, oh yeah, who cares? I want to have it, so why should I be shy? No, you should have shyness over there. Thirdly, haya is permissible, it is mubah, meaning it's okay to have haya and it's okay to not have haya in matters that are customary, meaning that are ma'roof, acceptable, in manners that are acceptable. So for example, that was just given, if you go to have your second serving of cheesecake, it's okay for you to have haya there and it's also okay for you to not have haya there. It's ma'roof to have a second serving, isn't it? But it's kind of out of hand when you go for your fifth serving or your fourth serving, isn't it? But second is ma'roof. So when it's ma'roof, it's okay for you. You feel shy, no problem. You don't feel shy, no problem. This is why the Prophet ﷺ said that haya brings al-haya'u khayrun kullu. In other version, we also learned that al-haya'u khayrun kullu. It brings all good. Then haya is also prohibited in certain matters. In which matters? In wajib. So in matters that are wajib, we are not allowed to have haya there. A person says, I'm too shy to pray. No. It's wajib on you. You have no choice here. You have to get up and pray. And then it is disliked regarding matters that are preferred. So it is makruh to have haya in matters that are mustahab. Example. What is mustahab? Standing in the first row when praying, a person says, I'm too shy. Everybody can see me. I'll get lost in the crowd somewhere so that nobody can see me. You're standing before Allah, so don't have shyness there. If you think about it, this classification that I told you just now, what does it lead a person to? The right kind of haya. Good. Isn't it so? And the bad kind of haya, it stops a person from good. Good haya makes you do more good. Keeps you away from wrong. So this is why haya is a part of iman. Iman makes you do good and leave wrong as well. One of the salaf, he said that I saw my sins as humiliation. I saw my sins as humiliation. I felt embarrassed. So I left them with honor and it became part of faith. I saw my sins as humiliation. I felt shy, I felt haya there. So I left them with honor and it became part of faith. A wise man said, fear Allah to the degree of his power over you. And be modest of Allah to the degree of His nearness towards you. So we should also have haya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And out of that haya, leave wrong. Out of that haya, do right. Fear Allah to the degree of His power over you. And be modest of Allah to the degree of His nearness to you. So the stronger ma'rifah a person has of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the stronger his haya will be. We'll conclude over here. سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك نشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك